Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, If you want to follow along today uh, with sermon notes, go ahead and hit that QR code up there. Uh, That's also where you're going to find your weekly bulletin. So if you want to know what's going on in the life of the church this week, uh, that is where you are going to find it. Uh, Second thing before we jump in is we are soon launching uh, what we are calling our Haven Ministry. You ask yourself, what is our Haven Ministry? Our Haven Ministry is going to be our ministry to families uh, who have special needs children. Um, And I don't know if you know this, but um, those families whose children have uh, some type of neurodivergence or, or some type of Uh, physical uh, challenge, they are one of the least reached people groups in this nation because uh, there's no space made for them. And so one of the promises that we made as a leadership team on Vision Sunday was we were going to move toward making space for people who uh, otherwise would not come and be a part of a church. So here's my call to you today. Uh, that you would sign up on your way out. I mean, we don't need everybody. We can't take everybody, but I see some heads nodding. Uh, And if you feel a particular call to serving this population of people and being a part of what God is doing uh, in the lives of those who who are dealing with all types of hurdles and challenges uh, in navigating their world with respect to their child's... uh, Um, there's going to be an award ceremony for Cobb County. Uh, I believe it's for Cobb County, right? For all schools who have children with special needs and we're hosting it. And so those families, amen. So those families will get to be on our campus. They will get to see our building uh, and it'll be a great opportunity to say, hey, we've made space for you and we'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing here. Amen. Can we rejoice over that? Amen. Turn them on. Cause you reign forever, King eternally. That thing just sit on my soul, I gotta let you know. Cause you reign in glory. Don't be afraid to join in now. Cause you reign forever 
eternally One more You reign in glory Mark's gospel. And we're going to start reading in chapter 2, or in uh, chapter 9, rather, verse 2 through 8. It says this six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling bright. <laughs> such as no one on earth could have brightened them. I'm just moved by the gospel today, y'all. I'm just moved by it. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses who were talking with Jesus. And then Peter, because he's always talking, said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here as if Jesus did not know. Let us set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This is my favorite line. He didn't know what to say, for he was terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. The word of the Lord, and if you would say with me, thanks be to God. Father, we, th we thank you that you reign in glory. That this is not all that there is. That what is in front of us is greater than anything behind us. And that we can experience the tangible nature of your glory now, here, together. Thank you for meeting with us in this moment. We lay all of these things before you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Whew. Apparently when I sleep, I get emotional. Um, today we're taking a short break, and, and I actually won't be before you long, I don't believe. We'll see how much help you give me. We, um... We're taking a short break in our Jesus Revolution series. We'll pick it up again next week in the book of Acts. But um, most of you probably aren't familiar with the church calendar or the quote-unquote Christian calendar. But, but there is a calendar of events that the church has followed for generations uh, that mark the story of Jesus. His, his coming, his life, his death, his resurrection, the sending of the Holy Spirit, etc., uh, and a couple of those high points, of course, you're familiar with, it's Easter and Christmas, but there's also Pentecost Sunday, which we're going to celebrate on May 19, and today is Transfiguration Sunday, okay? 
And Transfiguration Sunday pivots us into our season of Lent, which is Easter preparation, where it's those who practice the way of Jesus. We prepare for Easter by repentance, by changing how we think. Listen, this is what repentance is, if you've never heard it defined, changing how we think and behave to align with what Jesus has been revealed to us. That's all it means to repent. It's to alter how we think and how we behave to align with this Jesus who's been revealed to us. And so Lent is the preparation for that season and the transfiguration of Jesus that we just read about together. Well, this is where Jesus' identity, his true identity was put on full display, shedding light then for us on our identity in him. And Mark's short yet forceful account of the transfiguration invites us into one of the more powerful moments in history. We've already read it together. And here's what I believe. I believe that if you are here in the room today or if you are part of our online family, then there is something we share in common with respect to what we've read together. It is something that we share, though we may experience it to greater or lesser degrees, it is something we share regardless of our professed belief or the lack thereof. And you know what it is? It's that you and I want Jesus to be verified, pun intended. We want Jesus to be real. At least, at least we want that enough to show up to a worship gathering for the first or for the hundredth time. In fact, it is the great question of our day. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus History Channel Jesus? Is Jesus Islam's Jesus? Is Esau? Is, is Jesus the son of God? Is Jesus just a great teacher? Is Jesus just a moral leader? It is the great question of the day. Is he a man or something more? In answering the same question in the 19th century, because there is nothing new under the sun, C.S. Lewis poignantly wrote in his work, Mere Christianity, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's in quotes. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. Jesus left us little room to believe that he is a mere man. And I believe that we want to be confident about Jesus. I believe that we want to not be unsure, but there's a problem. And it may be so obvious that you overlook it. It may be so obvious that you don't even think about it. It, it may have even become subconscious at this point, even, even only showing itself in your choices, in my choices. And, and that thing that we have to overcome to really see that Jesus is fully verified is doubt. And you think to yourself, well, that sounds very simple. It is. And yet it is the thing that is plaguing us most deeply at all times. What if it isn't real? What if I'm wasting my time? What if this is a fantasy? What, 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 if, what if I get to the end and it's not like Jesus said it would be? 
You see, doubt is a subtle creeping thing. It doesn't come all at once. It doesn't come on all at once. It comes in slowly. It comes in following what you believe to be an unanswered prayer. It comes in following what you may see as an opportunity missed. It, it, it comes in when, when something tragic happens and you thought to yourself, God should have intervened. Well, maybe he's not who I thought he was. It's a subtle creeping thing. And on top of that, Outside of what we're navigating in our own mind, Jesus has been defined and redefined by everyone from other religions to the History Channel to Thomas Jefferson. Thomas, yes, Thomas Jefferson. You didn't know this. It's called the Jefferson Bible. Look it up. He went through and he cut out every miracle in the New Testament and everything that testified to Jesus being God. And he was a big proponent of the humanist movement that tried to reduce Jesus down to a mere moral teacher. So Jesus has been redefined and defined in every direction. And how does that leave us feeling? Well, I think the best word, particularly if we've tried to believe, is empty. <laughs> There's an emptiness to it. In fact, I was sitting with the staff a couple weeks ago before I left on the trip with my wife that we just got back from at 5 p.m. yesterday. It is the spirit of God holding me up here today. And I asked the staff, when, 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 when you think about the feelings that arise in your heart and mind, if Jesus is not real, how would you describe them? One of them said, the most beautiful moments become incredibly sad because nothing lasts forever. Everything ends and in the end, there is nothing. Another one said that if Jesus is not real, then, then the moment is everything. And the moment, whatever moment I'm in, well, that carries the full weight of my belief. That moment carries the full weight of life and meaning and everything because all I have is this moment because there's nothing else. Lastly, one said, whenever I begin to doubt if Jesus is real, the thought that comes to my mind most often is whatever will be, will be. They drift into fatalism. And all of these things, all of them are just bubbles, bubbles of that shared emptiness. And the reality is no one should ever feel empty. We are meant to experience the glory and the fullness of Jesus. And I get it, I get it. Before I really knew that Jesus was real, there was a profound void that I sensed in my soul, even as a young man. Some of you can relate because you live in your head like I do. And those intrusive thoughts always show up right before bed. And I remember laying there 14 years old asking myself, what if this is not real? What if in the end there's just nothingness? What if everything my parents have taught me is it's just a way of social control? And you would think coming to those conclusions would be liberating, but what it actually felt like as I was sinking into my bed, it became a prison, not a release. But here's the good news. 
make me pray in tongues. Here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus has been verified. He has been. He got his check a long time ago. Didn't have to buy it from Elon. Verified first by God the Father and then verified by his followers and even his opponents. See, some of y'all need to hear that today. Even the people who didn't follow him actually came to intellectually believe that he was who he said he was. He's verified by his opponents. He is everything he said he is. And because of that, you can share in his glory and his fullness. And I don't know if you get the weight of that. If we understood that we get a piece of the glory of God, we would stop grasping for glory from people who don't actually care anything about us. I could keep going, but we don't have time. We got to get to Ursha Super Bowl. <laughs> Jesus is everything he said he is. And you can experience his glory and fullness. And I want to tell you how. So jump back into the text with me. And let me put the scene into perspective. Jesus has just spent time with his disciples telling them, uh, about his death and resurrection, foretelling it to them. They st <sighs> These boys. And after six days of this conversation, Jesus took just three of them, Peter, James, and John. He took them away with him. Can I give you just a free little quick lesson related to that? You don't have to like everybody equally. It's just, it's just, that's a freebie. That's just a freebie. Okay? And no, I'm, I'm serious. Some of us get in trouble because we're vulnerable in the wrong spaces with the wrong people. Okay? That's a freebie. That's, that, I don't have nothing to do with what I'm saying today. I'm just saying choose your three carefully. All 12 didn't get to go up with him. He took three. All 72 wasn't at the foot washing in the Last Supper. It took 12. We didn't see everybody till we got to the upper room. Then it was like, it was 120 of them the whole time. He took his three. He took his three because he wanted them to have a fuller revelation of who he is. And he didn't do it in a public display. He didn't, he didn't do it in a way where it could be seen by everybody. He didn't do it in a way that would bring any exposure to him. No, he did it in a way where it would blow their mind in a moment alone with Jesus. And that's the first thing I want to tell you today is some of you need to step back and meet Jesus on the mountaintop. You need to meet, now listen, I know we can pray through the day. I know that. I know that we can talk to the Lord whenever we want to. I know that. And I know that the idea of quiet time has been so mechanized that many of us just want to stay away from it. At the same time, there is something to be said for you carving out time to be intimately alone with Jesus, asking him for a fuller revelation of who he is and what he's doing. 
You need to meet him on the mountaintop. You need to carve out your own little mountaintop. Carve out a space. Allow Jesus to invite you into the quiet so that he can show you who he is. Jesus didn't transfigure in front of everybody. He didn't transfigure in front of them one-on-one necessarily. He transfigured when he could get them away from the crowd. I'm convinced that some of us are struggling to hear Jesus' voice because there's so much noise in our life at all times that, that we're not able to hear it cut through. You got to get away. How, how do I get away, Pastor? Uh, well, I don't know what you like to do. I like to walk through the botanical gardens. I like to go into the literal mountains. I didn't know any of these things about my man. I grew up in the city. And I thought nature was for, you know, others. <laughs> but I have reclaimed it. I have, listen, whatever assumptions you have in your mind, that's between you and the Lord. I could be talking about Tennesseans. I could be talking about, I could be talking about anyone. I thought nature was not for me. And then, and then when I got out there and realized how small I was on the side of a mountain, God became magnificent. When I look out over the vastness of the ocean, and realized that I could never see to the other side. And this is what he spoke into being. God becomes magnificent. You have to find your place. You have to find your space. Where Jesus can pull you aside and talk to you. Listen, for some of us, that's just slowing down long enough so you can hear him. I know we have made busy a badge of honor in our culture, but it's not. It's not. What busy is actually doing is blocking your opportunity to get along with Jesus. We need to get away to the mountain top. And while we're there, we need to let the Father tell us who Jesus is. We need to let the Father tell us who Jesus is. Stop letting people who didn't know Jesus tell you who he is. Can we just do that part? It's just, I don't know another way to say it. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Stop allowing people who are trying to redefine what has already been verified, redefine it in your mind. Let the Father tell you who Jesus is. How do we let the Father tell us who Jesus is? Right here. I brought it today intentionally so you could see it. So you could see it. So you could see the marks and the sticky notes and the highlights. Because this is the only way that I know that I know that I know. This is how he speaks. Let him tell you. Let him tell you. You see, here on this mountaintop, the disciples had a powerful opportunity. Yes, they saw Moses and Elijah. I'm pretty sure that was awesome. Another little side note. You want another little side note? Y'all know in the Old Testament where Moses like struck the rock and God was like, I told you to speak to it. And Moses was like, I'm sorry. And he's like, well, now you're not going to see the promised land. Let me tell you how God, good God is. 
at the transfiguration, he went ahead and let Moses come on into the promised land. Right there on the mountain that he never thought he would see. There, yeah, I know, man, listen. You better get in this thing, you'll learn some things. I know it was incredible to see Elijah and Moses. I know it was incredible to see them, but but what was shattering for them was to hear the voice of God. To hear the voice of God. This is my beloved son. Verified. I don't know who you thought he was. I don't, I, oh, you thought he was just Joseph and Mary's boy. No, no, no. This is my son. This is my, this is the only begotten son of the father. This is he who formed the earth with me, who saw the shapeless void and called it into order. This is the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. This is not just a man. This is my son. He's already told us. And the word tells us over and over and over again who Jesus is through the voice of his father. Can you imagine that scene? Can you actually put yourself there? You just saw Jesus start to glow. Like, he glowing, you know? This is like the definition of a glow up. And then Moses and Elijah come through. They just pull up. Peter can't help himself. He's like, what should I do? What should I do? You want me to make three? Well, I, uh, it was three, y'all. I guess, I guess I should make three tents. I, 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 and look what it says. It says he didn't know what to say. Because they were terrified. Robert Stein wrote this in his commentary on Mark. He said, the real sense of being in the presence of God is often not ecstasy and delight, but a holy awe and even terror. For at such times, human weakness and sin stand in sharp contrast to the holiness and omnipotence of God. That's what they were experiencing. What am I saying? I'm saying that, yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus is your brother, but Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus is the living God. He is to be revered. He is to be feared. We should be overwhelmed in his presence. We should not treat it as trite that he would come to meet with us. There should be an awe, a trembling, John said that Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord and he was undone. When is the last time you've been undone in the presence of God? You want more out of this walk? There's your invitation. Be undone. Experience that. I can't believe I'm in your presence. You know what's interesting to me is, 
It's not like a foreign feeling to us because we give it to celebrities. To the famous world leaders, screaming for them. It's going to be millions of people screaming for Usher's little tail tonight. To what? To take one moment to bask in his glory. And yet, the glory of the Lord does not shake us to the core. If you want to see Jesus verified being all of him, okay, I'm going to push you on. Lastly, in... Listen to him. This is, I'm going to make sure I see it. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. understand what you're doing, God. Yeah, because you're not listening. <laughs> Just listen to him. And life will be so much better. It will be so much better. I promise you it will be. Jesus is the parent keeping you from chasing the ball into the street. Jesus is the parent telling you don't touch nothing in this store because you can't afford it. <laughs> Jesus is the parent standing over you saying, when you go over there today, you don't let nobody else tell you who you are because this is who you are. Amen. Who grew up with that kind of parent? When you go up in that school today, don't let nobody tell you who you are. That's what Janice Crump told me. I said, yes, ma'am. Somebody put their hands now. That's Jesus is not that kind of parent. <laughs> Somebody put their hands on you, turn the other cheek. But you only got two. I'm tell you right now, after that, all bets are off. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. It's so, who said it? It's so simple. Just listen to him. Listen to him. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Listen to him. Blessed are the humble, because they will be exalted. Listen to him. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Listen to him. If you've seen me, you've seen my father. Listen to him. You listen to him and you'll understand how life works. You see, because Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, his way of life are recorded in history and biblically, then you can know that he's been verified, that he is worthy of your honor and your reverence. 
that you should be shaken by his glory. And that's my call to you today. Believe on this Transfiguration Sunday. Actually believe that Jesus is the revealed son of God and that his glory has been shown to us. In fact, N.T. Wright says this, those who have seen the glory can never be the same. <laughs> have you seen the glory? See, if we was in one of them churches, this is where I would start preaching. Have you seen the glory? Have you seen the glory? The glory is revealed on the mountaintop. Have you seen it? So I ain't got the help I need right now. So have you seen the glory? If you've seen the glory, you can't just go back to life as usual. You can't go back to letting doubt rule your day. You can't go back to letting everyone but God to find Jesus for you. When you've seen the glory, you can't go back. You can't go back. Believe today that Jesus is who he said he is. And if you do, and if you do, I promise you, the void that comes when you think this is all that there is and that this will diminish to nothing, will be filled and you will be filled with Jesus' fullness and you will encounter Jesus' glory daily. Now maybe today you would say that you're not yet a follower of the way of Jesus, okay? Well, can I invite you to continue to be curious in community, continue to be curious and maybe even sign up for Alpha when it opens because the reality is that Jesus even for the most skeptical among us, Jesus is the answer to all of your core questions. And if you'll allow him to speak, then I promise you will see him in his glory. Father, we pray now in the matchless name of Jesus that you would continue on this Transfiguration Sunday to reveal to us the glory of the living God in Jesus and that we would experience the fullness of that glory together and that we would be transformed completely by it. In your name we pray. Amen.